I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. And uh, I, I'm, uh, we need to have a meeting later because we're going to talk about some changes. I have some numbers to run by you, Julie. I don't care for change, and I do everything <laughs> by emotion and how somebody looks when they're pitching. So just stop. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen right. you pitch yet. For I've, one got, thing. I've got this guy I picked up who's got a spreadsheet. <laughs> How and, good looking is your wife? That's what I want to know. <laughs> For sure. How much confidence do you have? Oh my gosh. Uh, Moneyball is what we're talking about. The movie. The movie, not the book. The, uh, the book was by Michael Lewis and the movie. Who directed this movie? I know it was written Bennett by Miller. our friend Aaron Sorkin. And uh, yeah, Bennett Miller was the director. What a movie this is. Um, so it's a, it's a baseball movie that's not really a baseball movie. It's, Thank goodness. Yeah, it's not... Uh, it could be any sport, actually, um, but it uses sports to look at life. And it's true. It's a terrific, terrific movie. Again, written by Aaron Sorkin. Brad Pitt is the star. You know, he's he's not too good looking, which is... <laughs> <laughs> it was the chore for me to keep slowing it down and just looking at the stills, but I'm I did sure, it. I'm sure. Well, good for you. I'm glad you <laughs> sat through it. And uh, Jonah Hill plays, um, mm-hmm. what is his character's name? Peter Brand. Peter Brand, that's it. That's no it. one can remember it in the movie, so that's perfect. Yeah, Pete. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, when in doubt, you just point at Pete, and then he's, he speaks. Yep. Um, um, yeah, so quick synopsis. What we have is Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt, is the general manager of the Oakland A's in 2002. Um, at the opening of the movie, we see... Um, the actual end of the 2001 season where the Oakland A's lose in the, I believe it was the series that would have got them to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost that series in the last game. Um, it may have been the, the the series before that. I don't remember. but It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, it doesn't matter. But it's generally considered a successful season if you can get to the playoffs. They've had a really good year. And um, they lose that fifth game out of five games. They took it all the way to the end and then lose. And then the very next thing that occurs is they've got players that they can't renew because uh, they've been so successful that now they're worth more money than the Oakland A's can afford. So three players in particular uh, leave the organization, and now Billy Bean has a problem that he's trying to solve. How can he get the Oakland A's back into, or how can he even feel the good team is really... Um, what his thoughts are as the general manager. Yeah. How can you build a team with no more money? Because the owner's like, we're in a tiny market. I'm not made of money. I can't give you any more. Yeah. Can you not spend any money that I don't have, Mm -hmm. please? He says something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's that, that famous quote where um, I think most people have probably seen this, you know, there's, there's uh, the top, and then there's the bottom, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. a Billy Bean. How do we do this? Yeah. Well, and he also then goes, you, you watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff as you see him trading players and things, and he's going to Cleveland, I guess it is, to see about getting some players. And there's this guy in the corner, and he's not prepossessing. You know, he's overweight. He's uh, 
just doesn't look like anybody anybody would listen to. But when he whispers into somebody's ear, that person goes and whispers to the manager and they start changing their decisions based on what this guy said. And he says, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. he goes and finds him. Yeah. And he says, okay, well, all I do, I'm a computer geek. I, you know, love the game, but they're not asking the right questions. And that's the first key to the whole movie is what questions should you be asking? How should you be looking at this situation that's different than how you're looking now? And so he uh, and this guy go, and what we do is watch them trying out a different system. And the resistance that they meet, because Billy Bean says, I don't just want to build a winning team, although he does, but he doesn't like how baseball is being run, which is all this feelings. Mm. And like I was saying before, you know, how good looking is his girlfriend? How confident (laughs) is this guy? He's got an ugly girlfriend. He's not confident. And I was sitting there thinking, no, if he has an ugly girlfriend, he's super confident. He's looking (laughs) below the surface and going, I can carry off an ugly girlfriend if he cares that way. I was like, good for that guy. But anyway, that's not how the scouts think. And so Billy Bean has experienced the game in on a lot of levels as we discover through flashbacks and he wants to change how it works. And that's, and that's the story. And the interesting thing is, is when you look into the history of what they're talking about, they've manufactured a few things because you have to kind of convey, of course, the essence of the feeling. So how poor is the team? Um, how, who is the villain? All this kind of stuff. A few of those things have been enhanced or changed a little but the basic story is real, and that's what makes it impressive, and it's yeah. so well told. Right. Agreed. Um, yeah, it's almost 100% dialogue, almost. And, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin, yeah. And it's <laughs> just it's riveting, actually just riveting, yeah. And there's this melancholy to it. Um, it's it's not a super fast moving movie, you know, and but the music that they use and everything, it's just melancholy. And I feel... Like that's Billy Bean, yeah, right. So it, it's it's like taking on this personality of Billy Bean or or his mood, I should say. Yeah, I don't. I guess I wouldn't have thought of it as melancholy, but you're right because as the movie goes on, you discover what he's wrestling with from his past mm-hmm. and how that goes into who he is, and of course, that's any of us, right? It's, yep. yep what we've experienced colors how we see things and who we are. And the thing that's admirable about him is, well, I guess are we in spoiler territory? Oh, sure. You bet Um, we are. Spoilers. (laughs) Go watch it. And you've probably watched it, but watch it again. It's so good. It's so good. Um, But what you discover is he always has been somebody who could take failure and disappointment and, and, you know, it, it marks them and they make that clear, but he's also able to say, where do I go from here? How do I change it? So he becomes a talent scout. Mm-hmm. And then he starts working his way up to where he's the general manager after he has failed as the most promising young rookie ever. <laughs> you can do everything. You've got all five tools in the set. And, you know, and then he can't actually carry it off because the way they're measuring people is not really accurate. Yeah. And I think that that's what scarred him the most is he, he was filled with praise these scouts saying, you know, you're one of the most amazing things we've seen in a long time. You've got these five tools and most people only have two and we hope to develop a third and aren't you the most amazing thing? And then he gets to the big leagues and fails. He um, can't perform at that level. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's very interesting that his next step was, you know, well, I'd, I'd like to become a scout. And, um, you know, so I think that his reaction, like you're saying, is how are these people picking people? How are they so wrong about me? Um, and that mm-hmm. that colors his life and his decisions. Because one of the scouts says at one point, this is about your stuff. And mm-hmm. he's like, I have watched you sit at parents' table after parents' table with these families and tell them this same stuff, and this stuff isn't true. Yeah. You know, yeah. the way you're measuring people and evaluating them isn't true. Yeah, and you so, can imagine like a hundred of those conversations around the kitchen table, and maybe one of them is a star, you know. For real. Well, yeah, and also because of their evaluation, he decided not to go to Stanford. He had a full scholarship. He did, yeah. And when he's talking to Jonah Hill, whose approach is Peter Brand, his approach is statistics, mm-hmm. not yeah. how do you look when you're pitching. Yeah, and, he's an economist know. graduate from Yale, <laughs> right? And you know, so he he kind of took what Billy Bean's route may have been. You know, who knows. Ivy yeah. League school, you know, uh, you know, I know Stanford isn't, but it's a it's a very highly regarded school, yeah. and uh, yeah, who knows what he'd have been doing? But here's uh, Peter Brand, graduate from college, first job, sitting in there, and people are listening to him mm-hmm. in these meetings. He's changing their minds by uh, nodding or just whispering in someone's ear. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I loved that scene where he says, who are you? Um, yeah. it, it was almost a biblical, who are you? Yeah, What's your name? You true. know what I mean? And, it, it, you know, because he wasn't wondering what his name was. He wanted to know, who are you? You know? Yeah. Why do people listen when you talk? Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, they don't. And he goes, they just did. Right. But, you know, basically, they turned down my request for this one player when everybody was ready to let him go. Yeah. You said something and they changed their mind. Yeah. yeah. So why? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I loved uh, when he calls back uh, later that night, it, it seems, and says, I've just bought you from, from the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> you just bags. bought, you know, this assistant uh, to someone. Yeah, fantastic. Well, and it's funny because um, I think the reason he became a talent scout was because he was a high school graduate. What else was he going to do? Sure. His yeah. expertise was baseball. And even though at the end – he says, um, he, you know, because he's had the romance kind of beaten out of him for baseball, where he says it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. This thing, this sort of thing, streaks when they're on this huge winning streak is for mm. the fans. Yeah. And because he's like, if you don't win the last game, it doesn't matter what you did. The mm. records you set, all this stuff, the goal is to win this last game and be the champions. And so what it shows is he's become kind of, very logical, very hard-headed about it. and mm-hmm. But yet, you know he's romantic in that way, and you know he cares because he can't stand to watch any of the games. <laughs> because he's afraid he's kind of a jinx. Yeah. And I love, love that relationship with his daughter. I feel yeah. like she's the only one that understands him. Um it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of like, it reminds me of my relationship with my own daughter. Okay. It's like there is there is nobody who sees me clearer than she does, I feel, at times. Hmm. Um, you know, she'll just say something and I'm like, yeah, that is what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, okay. So it's just, you know, and, and I feel like she's that for Billy Bean. Um, she's the one who calls him and says, 
go to the game, turn around, go to the game. You won't yeah. jinx it. You know, she knows what he's feeling and why he's not there, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and it's interesting that Billy Bean feels that way, you know, um, you know, is he feeling that he's a jinx or is he there feeling the weight of his own history and what could have been? And I mean, it, I'm sure it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly how they tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to think it's not because those things would mark anyone. And of course, Aaron Sorkin will write something that's looking at some aspect of someone. So in, was it called jobs? The movie about mm, Steve jobs, yes. mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's attributing certain things to Steve jobs because he's interested in looking at this one motivating factor or, uh, the social network. He's doing the same thing with Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and he's got the basic facts there, but for the motivations and all the other stuff, eh, mm-hmm. you know, the main players may go, oh, that's not actually what was going on. He's like, but this is what I'm interested in. And, of course, this is why we watch sports movies, because any movie like that, like this or Rocky, Sea Biscuit, they're about more than sports. They're about the human spirit, determination to win, all the roadblocks that come along, and the lessons we learn along the way. And that's what this is, because he does want to change the game. He's got a new vision, and that new vision makes him dangerous to everybody who can't see, they can't think outside the box. Yeah, everybody who's doing the oh, the way that they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, And isn't that a story that I think that everybody can relate to, no matter what field you're in? <laughs> you know, right. in this time of constant and um, just constant change. This unsettling fight, change. Yeah, unsettling change. This feeling that, you know, nothing's really stable. Um, and then you have someone come in and they say, we have this way of doing it and this is really the way um, of the future, you know. And you've got all the people that have spent their lives building what it is now asked, being asked to change or being told to change. Um, well, brutal. and when he starts off, mm-hmm. yeah, when he starts off, because it's it's a more even, I mean, when he's got control and he's like, here's the path we're on, mm-hmm. he's saying you adapt or die. Yeah. And he, and we can talk about it later, he also has to adapt and he doesn't expect that. Because mm-hmm. he's standing up to everybody, but he's got to change too. But the what he says first, before he's seen Peter Brand and been to that meeting and everything, he's telling his scouts you're just blah, 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 saying the same old thing. That's not getting us anywhere. And they're like, well, what do you want us to do? And he's like, well, we're not asking the right questions. We're mm-hmm. asking the wrong questions about how to win. Yeah. It's and like so, if we if we do this the way the Yankees do this, we will lose because the Yankees have four times the money we have. Yeah. You know, so we can't operate like them. We need to do something different, even though at that time he didn't know what different was. No, he yeah. just knew. He's like, what's the question? What's the question? They're like, we need to replace these three players. He's like, no, we need to figure out how do we win? How do we get ourselves back in the game? How do we even the playing field? He doesn't even know how. And he's not even sure he might refine the question later. But he knows that they're not asking the right question. And so they're not answering the right question. And then... I look around us and go, 
all these people leap to conclusions and very simple conclusions a lot of the time about here's the one answer to this big question of life, hmm. whether it's government, whether it's personal. Mm-hmm. And you go, I like that approach is, are you asking the right question? Do you do we even know what question we're asking if we just keep banging our heads against the wall? Yeah, that's right. And if as a leader of people, if you can ask the right question and put that in front of everybody, now you've got everyone rowing in the same direction to answer that question. Right. Rather than everybody spread out, you know. Yeah, so then he's trying to turn the boat around, you know. He's yeah. he's paid attention. He says, okay, this makes sense to me. It's completely different, but it does make sense to me. But now he's only got one guy on his side, and he's a lowly guy, Peter Brand. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the owner will let him do what he wants. Yeah. But yeah. nobody else is on his side. <clears throat> That's right. You know, in his whole organization, he's <laughs> like, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all numbers-based. Right. He says, we can replace this superstar we lost with these three people, and this is why it works. Yeah, the goal is to get on base. Do I mm-hmm. care if it's a walk or a run? No, mm-hmm. you do not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always like that. Do I <laughs> care if it's a walk or a run? Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks, oh, well, a walk is losing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means you couldn't hit the ball. Mm-hmm. But what counts is if you got on base. So even there, the wrong question is being asked, is what, what matters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. so I guess when we run into these seemingly impossible situations, what is the right question? Yeah, searching for that. What is the question? What, you know, that's the same thing as asking is what is the focus? Mm-hmm. What is the goal, you know? Yeah, and, what, you know, in this case, you know, the goal is to win games, but there's a deeper question. How do you win games? Well, you get runs. Well, how do you get runs? People need to be on base, right? right. So that was the, that became the, the, you know, we do the same thing in industrial automation. <laughs> oh, yeah? Come to think of it, you know, like when you're, when you're programming a manufacturing plant or you've got one and now they want to increase the widget count or whatever. The question is, okay, we want to increase the widget count. Well, in order to do that, what do we need to do? You know, you find where the bottleneck is. You know, this machine is putting things out at this rate, um, but this machine can handle a higher rate. You know, how do we increase that one? Now you've got a focus problem where you've got some very specific thing that you can focus on and fix and that will bring the overall total up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 it's a machine, right? Which is, I think part of what this, this movie is talking about too. Um, to do it the way that, uh, Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt want to do it, or Billy Bean and, uh, uh, Peter Brand is a very logical, cold way to do it. But it, it has very real effects on real people that are good. You know, like let's take Scott Hatterberg, right? Mm-hmm. He was at home and was probably not going to play again, um, but they pick him up and they put him in there. So his life has been changed for the positive. Um, yeah, because he's been underappreciated for other skills. Mm-hmm. And even he himself, Yeah, I was a pitcher. Right. Well, his elbow was shot. His elbow has been fixed, but he'll never pitch again effectively. So mm-hmm. no one wants him. Yeah. And they look and go, 
But you know what he does? He gets on base a lot. He does, right. He gets on base. We'll just have him do something else. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then you've got these scouts that are doing it all by the seat of their pants. Where, you know, they've, you know, somebody, like you said earlier, um, they, they, they suggested a player and his reaction was, well, he's got an ugly girlfriend, which means he's unconfident. Yeah. And, and you're like, what do the numbers say, right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you need to ask is, you know, well, that seems ridiculous to me, but it's this little thing that this person has come up with over time and has uh, probably reinforced through many, many uh, iterations. So, um, but, but it's interesting that, um, and I know that they're, they're basing this on real events and this, this really happened, you know, so the Oakland A's, the, the end of this movie is not the Oakland A's getting to the, to the world series and winning the world series. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't quite make it, but they made it an awful long way. But the team that did make it was run the other way. Right. Right. But uh, I can't remember what team beat them, but I think it was Minnesota. Minnesota Twins. Oh, I thought it was the Royals, but maybe it was Minnesota. Yeah. But anyway, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the Yankees, right? It wasn't the right. uh, $120 million Yankees or whatever. But it was a team that had more money. It was a team that had more money and did things the old way. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the answer that uh, is happening today is kind of a both situation. But, but it is, it, it's interesting, you know, at the end of the movie, John Henry of the Red Sox um, tried to hire Billy Bean for a lot of money. And we can talk about why he didn't do that. Um, right. But, but just a quick history, John Henry hired a guy named uh, Theo Epstein who ran things in a similar way and took the Red Sox to the World Series. Not immediately, but over a few years. And then Theo Epstein went to the Chicago Cubs and did the same thing and got to the World Series and won the World Series. Right. So, yeah. because now pretty much everybody does this. Right. Because and to not look at these statistics this way it. is insane. Yeah. Like the pitcher that they pick up, they're like, nobody likes him because he looks funny when he pitches. Yeah. But he's a good pitcher. But, he's a good but pitcher. they don't like how he looks. Right. His pitch is weird. And I'm yeah. like, that poor actor doing that. I was like, that did look weird. <laughs> Yeah. But the, so the question becomes then, he wants to change a game. He does change the game. Does it matter that he changed the game? Because mm. doesn't everything just even out when all the other teams play money ball? Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'd say yes, because what happens is you're, it, you're looking at things from a point of truth. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the truth, if you're looking at things... I don't know, through this filter of, in this case, it's emotion and weird judgments and, you know, well, I have experience as a talent scout. Well, you've been lucky or whatever. Why are you working for the A's? You're not that good a talent scout. And um, But when you strip the stuff away and look at the facts, you then, even if it's an even playing field, at least you know where you stand. Mm-hmm. You can make adjustments. You can work towards something better based on something that will really matter. Yeah, yeah. Instead Agreed. of just saying, you know, well, we had bad luck way, that season. Yeah, and that's the way, you know, companies should be running things like that, too. It's like... And it's the way you should live your life. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, based on truth, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think of the relationships we have with people. And, um, you know, you start with husband and wife or f good friends or whatever, 
you have to be based in truth or the decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. You know, don't lie to yourself about it. And sometimes you don't know because, you know, that's the whole point of this is everybody's, it's always been done this way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that tradition and all that stuff is bad because what's what occurs to me right now is I've been um, reading through the catechism bit by bit every morning. And I'm on the part that's looking at the sixth commandment, which is, I think, thou shalt not commit adultery. And so they take that as, well, well, what's the basis for saying this? The basis is let's start with a husband and wife situation and what does that mean and how does faith work into it? And every little thing, even though it might be talking about infidelity or chastity or children or whatever, it is so beautifully rooted in the dignity of the human person Mm. and what love really means and what giving yourself fully to someone else really means. They're continually taking it back to the anchor, what it's rooted in, what it means to be made in the image of God and what that means when you're in relationship with your husband or wife, or you're a child or you're a parent or all this stuff. And I'm like, that's the thing that we've gotten away from these days. We've forgotten a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean bad situations don't come up like reasons for not being around each other, like an abusive divorce or whatever, because that's also not taking the dignity of that human person into account. I mean, it all comes back to that stuff. Asking the right question. Yeah. <laughs> so the right, question, the right is, question is dignity of the human person in that case, well, right? Yeah. The right question is, is this serving the dignity of the human person? Is this treating the other person as an object or yourself as an object? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really blown away because it was it had a section on masturbation, and I was like, "Oh yeah!" And they say you're treating yourself as an object, and I'm like, oh, "You are, my goodness!" And so all the times that people look at this through a different filter and say, well, "You're just so hidebound, you don't understand human sexuality, you don't," oh yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. But those people aren't looking at it the right way. They're not asking the right questions, which is, what's at the bottom of this? Why do you think this? Hmm. And we're not giving the right answers a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, very know, true. We're, we're mm-hmm. still dealing on the surface with them about, well, no, we're not that bad, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essentially what Moneyball is doing, of course, but based in baseball, because mm-hmm. that's what they had to do is what happens when you change and in fact, he changes the game so much that, as you're saying, when the game, when the season's over, instead of um, other teams poaching the players, they're trying to poach him. <laughs> right. The Red Sox are doing that. And so the Red Sox guy is thinking outside the box. He's recognizing this. And Billy Bean thinks outside the box because everybody would expect he would take this job. It's the recognition he wants, as Peter Brand points out. This mm-hmm. money means you got it right. And he says, I made one decision in my life based on money, and I swore I would never do it again. Because he's got the truth at the bottom. His daughter matters mm. more than money, and to move away from her means he would lose her in the way he's got her now as yeah. a father-daughter. And his daughter mm-hmm. is thinking inside the box because she's worried that if he loses too many games, he'll lose his job and get traded away to somebody else. <laughs> she never thinks of the opposite that if he's wins, he might be recruited because she's never seen that happen mm-hmm. to somebody in his position. Yep. Um, it's, it's real interesting to look at, you know, where do you have to have your, 
your thinking that's outside of traditional thinking. And it doesn't mean that that's got to be new thinking. It just means it's, you have to evaluate it honestly, properly, what really matters. Yep. That's absolutely right. That's good. I was thinking about, um, you know, the manager of the Cubs, when they went to the world series, uh, he was describing his process, you know, now they've built the team, they've got the team built and everything. So he's managing them day to day. Mm-hmm. And how much data comes into that. And um, he was describing how he didn't like to have data in the dugout. He would do mm. everything before and he would have a card with notes written all over it. Right. And then he would make his decisions on the field, having studied the data and having some of it in front of him. But he didn't tend to go to a computer to look up something in the clubhouse or in the during a game during a game right and i thought that was an interesting way too it it was like a melding of the old way and the new and he he is a an older guy too i would say he's in his 60s well and in that way what you make me think of is the you're talking about the melding of the old and the new but i think what it is is it's the human factor and so we see that when they're implementing this new method and they're having to go around the coach because the coach is like, I'm not doing it. You're not giving me more than a one-year contract that says you don't trust me. I already, you can tell they don't already get along. And he's like, and you're not giving me the players I need. And in fact, he's so intransigent that Billy Bean has to start just trading away all the good players. So he'll use the, what he thinks the coach or thinks are lesser players to fill positions that they're designed to fill according Mm. to the way Billy Bean sees it. And, um, but because of that, because the coach won't cooperate, Billy Bean is forced to adapt or die and change and stretch himself to achieve his goal. He has to start interacting with the other players Mm -hmm. or the players and sharing his philosophies Mm -hmm. about it. And so that's how you build a team and not just in baseball. Yeah. That's, how you get anywhere because the people themselves are the ones who they're not just numbers. They have to understand what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And that's the thing right there. Cause even in, you know, at the end of that 20 game winning streak, mm-hmm. when Scott Hatterberg was selected to bat and uh, hit that home run that yeah. the, the person who picked him was the manager, right? Right. The manager well, did that. Yeah. He, because he, yeah, mm-hmm. he knew what had been asked for the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, this is all I got left. Yeah, I've got people who I know can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it Billy Bean's way, even though I don't want to. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He has to follow his instinct. Yeah. And um, because, and through this, you also see other people having to change. Um, like, uh, oh gosh, the guy who, David Justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. who's like, I'm a superstar. That's why you picked mm-hmm. me. That's why I'm being paid all this. And he's like, wrong. The New York Yankees are paying half your salary and they'll play against you. That's what they think of you. And you could just see him deflating. Mm-hmm. as he's hearing all this. He's like, I'm using you for what you've got left because you're 35 or whatever. So you're practically washed up and I need you to be a leader. Yeah. And it and was cool, up, cool to see him step into that role, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like well, that. Well, what's really funny is, so one of the things that I think is really genius about this, because so by any normal account, um, I feel like you'd look at Billy Bean and go, what a loser, right? Mm. I mean, in a sense, he he couldn't make it in baseball. He's been a talent scout. He's a general manager, but it's, of the, as he said, you know, there's 50 feet of crap and then there's us. It's unfair, but this is where he is. And he doesn't, isn't given anything else to work with. So he's working and working and working. So in that sense, he's kind of a misfit or the team is a misfit. And the thing is, is that it's so genius, this script, because they take all the things we know from sports movie tropes and they use it differently. Hmm. So we know all these things about being a winner, but they show us something different with it. So you have uh, Scott Hatterberg's home run. Usually that would be, yes, he is good. And all this, what it's used for is to justify Billy Bean's system. Hmm. The coach should say something to Billy Bean at that point, right? He should go, well, I guess you're right. Never. He just hmm. takes all the credit for himself. Yeah. Because he's continually a jerk. Mm -hmm. The pitcher, when he goes and thanks Billy for giving him a chance Instead of being this heartwarming moment, which we expect, what it's used for is to show us how Billy Bean is so uncomfortable around the players. He doesn't know how to talk to him. Hmm. This guy is opening his heart to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, okay, good luck out there today. Mm -hmm. uh, David Justice is told to step up and be a leader. And we see him stepping up to be a leader with Scott Hatterberg. Total fail. <laughs> he's, he's confronted by something real that he doesn't expect, which is... Him going, oh, here's what I'm afraid of. And it's like, oh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. um, Billy Bean is trying to give an inspirational speech. You know, you don't look like winners, but you are. So play like winners tonight. So and kind that. of this yeah. awkward <laughs> hand pump. Yeah. You know, it's so anti-trope forced and awkward. And it's showing us about him more than about the team. So this isn't really about the team. This mm. is about him. So when they're um, and the fat player, who's used to show the romance of um, the humans of uh, yeah. baseball. Yeah, beautiful moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. but this is the moment, not Scott Hatterberg's home run. Mm -hmm. This is the moment that's used to show us the triumph of the human spirit. Yeah, everybody from the opposite team is going, "Get up, run, run!" Mm -hmm. And they're they're signaling him home, and they're loving his personal triumph. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this takes everything and does what we need to see, but it turns it all on its head. We expect it to go one way. We've seen it a thousand times. They do something different with it. It's just uh, genius because that's life, right? Yeah. We know how the movie should play out, but life so often doesn't play out that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, we learn things, but we learn them from unexpected places in weird ways. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, that 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 uh, moment, the fat player moment. Uh, no, that, that was, was just wonderful. It was really profound. Um, yeah, that just hit me. It's just like wow, that what what a moment. Every time I see it, I always forget it's in there. Yeah, and I've mm -hmm. seen this movie a lot of times. Oh wow, yeah. But it's so such a beautiful moment. It is a beautiful moment, and um, yeah, Peter Brand is showing this videotape to uh, Billy Bean. You know, after the season. He's taken the Oakland A's to a series and lost again in uh, the fifth game of a five-game mm -hmm. series. Heartbreak, um, you know, and, and he had earlier said, 
<clears throat> you know, if you lose the last game, nobody remembers. Right. And there's and, no romance in that romance. That's for the fans. That's right. not real. Yeah. Don't exactly. get romantic about baseball. Yeah. So uh, Peter Brand shows him this video of this this large player being uh, the the pitch is thrown and he hits the ball, good solid hit, and he runs to first base and he said and he never ever goes for second, but here he is he's going to go for second. He turns and uh, he, he falls, falls down. down. Yeah, he falls down and crawls back to first, but he doesn't realize it. But the the ball went over the fence. Yeah. And uh, they get him up and they run him to home and, uh, you know, joyous, right? So, um, you know, so Jonah Hill was showing that to Billy Bean because Billy Bean wasn't realizing that he hit a home run. You know? Well, he was. He wasn't acting like it because he, that's after he'd gotten back from the um, offer from the Red Sox. Exactly. And it, it was like he wasn't. He wasn't joyful, you know what I mean? It was like, um, you know, to, to me, I, I see this in life all the time and in myself or whatever, but, you know, it, religiously, it's it's profound too. But it, it's this idea that you can do 99 things right and not get the 100th thing, and you're so focused on that 100th thing that you forget the the joy of having done the 99 things. You know what Amen. I mean? So mm-hmm. right and and it's that way religiously too because in 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 um in Catholicism the truth is we will never be finished, right? We'll spend <laughs> our we'll spend our whole life approaching, you know, if if we're doing our job and we're trying to be saints. <laughs> we'll never yeah. get there, right? We can never right. be perfect. It's impossible to get there. And we can dwell on the fact that there is this gap that we're trying to close. And it's not that we shouldn't be aware of that gap, but the focus on that gap as the main thing is not the right question. (laughs) Right. You know, like you were saying, it it was like, you know, look how far we've come. Um, There was, I think it was, um, let's see whose review this is. Um, Todd Warner, um, mm-hmm. in uh, a Catholic thinker on Pathios, I found okay. this review back in 2005, and um, he d- he just says um, he he actually quotes from the script this whole little scene, and I just like what he said here. He said, "Perhaps when Saint Peter him- found himself hanging upside down on a cross as a Roman spectacle." Perhaps when Mother Teresa breathed her last with diaries filled with angst and her slums still overfilled with misery. <laughs> Perhaps when St. Therese of Lisieux succumbed to the ravages of tuberculosis in an obscure convent at the tender age of 24. And perhaps when Flannery O'Connor died from lupus at the age of 39, still unmarried, living with her mother, surrounded by peacocks. Perhaps they all felt that they had flubbed it. Perhaps they felt they barely got on base and were humiliated in the process of just doing that. You know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was just well, well put. Um, Yeah. 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 So, and and it's that way just in all phases of life. You know, there is something about, you know, we're, we're, we've got goals, we're trying to achieve things, we're trying to, you know, but um, there comes moments of joy. And we need to be joyous 
at um, some of those things. And I think right. that's what Jesus showed us too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. By the outside standards, what a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But when you see the truth, when you ask the right question, you see yeah. what's going on. You do see what's going on. Yeah. That's what yeah. a great way to put it because that's what I was realizing we were talking before we started recording. And mm-hmm. um Actually, I guess it's when we were, we always say a little prayer first. Mm. We're Catholic, you know. But what I was realizing was I I am such a failure at prayer. Oh, man. Mm. And because um, I always feel like I should have this this time period and I'm doing it and I'm, I'm really emptying myself out, opening myself up. And, you know, whether something happens or not, I've made the approach and I'm like, oh man, how many times do I hit that during the week? Let's not even talk about it. So few, if any. But what I was realizing is I have this sense of peace and connection that have been coming to me in different ways. Because like I read a little of the catechism every morning. I've been reading the readings from the Office of Readings and the Liturgy of the Hours. And now I've begun reading the Psalms that go with that particular office. Um, Other little things like that, it's all started adding up in the day to something different. Mm than I expect. It doesn't mean I'm still not trying that afternoon period of time because I feel like that should be a goal, but it's the answer that's coming to me at least right now is through a completely different set of things than I would have thought of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't right. know if that makes sense. No, it makes great sense, you know. So it's like you're focused on one thing and you're focused on how that's not going well, but there's other things that are happening mm-hmm. that you should be paying attention to. You know, <laughs> it, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, um, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of the, uh, well, I, I don't know, the th- one thing that leaps to mind is that old joke where um, somebody's on the top of a house and the water is rising and the, <laughs> yeah. the boat shows up and they say, no, I'm praying to God. God's going to save me. You know, I don't need to get on the boat. <laughs> and then another boat comes and then they finally die. And up in heaven, they say, well, I sent you, yeah. you all these boats, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, it is, it's, it's this focus. Um, it's almost a, a negative focus, but it's human nature somehow that one failure is massive compared to all these successes. You know, we, we tend to focus on that negativity. Right. And um, that little baseball scene just shows you, you know, man, you hit a home run and you didn't even know it. You know, you, you just didn't realize it. You know, he, he was so afraid to turn that corner and his worst nightmare happened. He fell Right. And, um, yeah. And he had hit a home run, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just think that's just profound and beautiful. Just, uh, yeah. and one of the most amazing film moments ever, in <laughs> my opinion. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, and talking about the focusing on things, whether this is right or wrong, this is one of the things that drives Billy Bean and he's able to define it. He says, I hate losing even more than I want to win. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference. Yeah. 
And you stop and think about it and go, yeah, it sounds like the same thing, but there is a difference. There is a difference, yeah. He doesn't want to lose. And because mm. otherwise, he'd have cared when the coach starts to get the credit because the team's winning. <laughs> and and Peter Brand's going, do you see what they're saying about him? Did you hear this? And he's like, what I heard is seven wins. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he knows what's going on. Because yeah. he's had to learn to trust in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And sports, sports is tough, isn't it? I mean, every single team but one loses that last game. Right. Every single team in the whole league. <laughs> yeah. Every fan of all those teams, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, when you think of the... What is it called? RBIs that runs batted in or uh-huh. something that's, you know, what is it? 30 is 30 is considered good. And that's like 30%. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're, you're talking about batting average. Yeah. Let's like, yeah, if, you yes, hit, yeah. if you hit one out of every three times, you're actually amazing. Yeah. 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 And that's, uh, I remember my husband talking about that and he was like, so this guy is super good. Look at his averages. And I was like, that's all they expect out of you because that's all that's possible in this game. It's harder than you think. And I was like, Oh, and in this game, that's really kind of, it is romantic. Mm -hmm. You know, this makes you a hero. You're trying and trying and sometimes you can really do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's baseball's fun. I mean, I, I, I really like it. I follow the Cubs and, uh, yeah, they just went through an 11-game losing streak. <laughs> hmm, yeah, not as fun. So very sad. Yeah, so yeah. very sad. Not a record, but hey. But yeah, th- there's just times like, um, okay, so the, the Cubs went for a long time, a long time being like 100 years, 100-something years, mm-hmm. without winning the World Series, right? So they're, they're in the World Series in 2016, and they get to the seventh game, and... That that is the most amazing game ever. Uh, but they're behind, and then there's a rain delay, and it, it's just I, I can't even hardly describe it. But there there was a rain delay, and when they came out of that rain delay, they won the game, and so they you know they they killed that you know hundred year <laughs> demon mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and it was magical. You know that whole game was just magic. Every now and then I watch it. I have it on oh, DVD. Really? I bought it. Yeah. Really? Because it is a, an amazing thing to see. But um, it's that human spirit thing, you know, where um, I, I can see in my head the last play where the other team, Cleveland Indians, were batting. And he the, the person hits the ball to the third baseman. And the third baseman lights up in a smile. Yeah. He's like, I have this, yeah. and this is the last out. You, he, it was like, you know, he was feeling all of that, and it was all on his face as he got the ball and he threw it to first, and uh, yeah. it, just beautiful. Yeah, so it's it is. Happening. It is romantic. It is romantic, right? And uh, other sports are too. Um, so yeah, is there uh, anything else you want to talk about about this movie, this incredible movie? <laughs> well, I actually have three small things. Wonderful. And these are more like trivia, technical kind of things. Uh So one is that when you watch Brad Pitt in this movie, which I think he's probably the best in this movie that I've seen him, although I haven't seen most of his movies, I have to admit. Yeah. But he does what they call actor business better than anyone. 
Have we talked about actor business before? Actor business. No, tell me what that is. So actor business is when you're always interacting with props and the set. Hmm. So if you watch in this movie, he's drinking out of cups. He's well known for eating things. There's lists on the internet of Mm -hmm. him and what he's eating in different movies. He spits in in cups. Well, this is, yeah, he's spitting in the (laughs) cup because he's doing his chew, which is so great. But like when they're doing that big, intense trading thing where they're working two phones and he's calling back and forth to San Francisco and to wherever else and all these places. And at one point he's restless. He's, he's thumping his thumbs on the desk. He's tilting back and forth. And then He's got popcorn and a coffee filter. Yes. And he grabs some and shoves it in his mouth. And then the phone rings and I'm like, he's got his mouth full of popcorn and he spits it out into the trash. <laughs> That's realism. Mm-hmm. That's part of what makes a good actor because it's so natural instead uh. of just waiting to deliver his line. And if you watch, Jonah Hill is doing some of that, but he's doing it with scratching his face, mm-hmm. adjusting his glasses uh, moving his body around in awkward ways because that's who he is. But he's he's also always doing things that most actors you don't expect to do. <laughs> um, like he'll be asked a question, he'll stop and he'll kind of scratch his cheek and he'll look up uncertainly and he takes his time. It used to be when you could smoke cigarettes in movies that that got used for a lot of stuff. Mm, okay. So when you're watching a lot of people like lighting cigarettes and ash and putting them out, that's all actor business. Gotcha. So, um, mm-hmm. but Brad Pitt's good at it. Mm-hmm. So another thing about this movie that keeps it, I think, very realistic seeming and keeps it kind of grounded, I guess you would say, is uh, they include a lot of dead time. So... It's usually edited out to keep the film going along, but like little short, small moments between the dialogue and the action where they're sitting around and waiting for things or someone's kind of thinking, they remind us of how unglamorous baseball is. Mm, So it's kind of every day, but it contrasts well with the excitement of their approach. Mm -hmm. But it's real. Yeah. Cause they're just kind of sitting and looking at each other or watching a screen or there's these, all these moments of lag in there, but it doesn't seem slow. Yeah. I and really, that keeps it grounded. Yeah. I really got a feel of that concrete bunker that of their office <laughs> space, you know, it was right. Like in the bottom of the stadium in the parking garage, you know, concrete, mm-hmm. nobody's got a window, you know, it's kind of that Joe versus the volcano kind of melancholy <laughs> brain cloud type stuff. Right, yeah. Right. Right. So Well, and they're also telling the story using little sound bites from the radio and the TV. So mm. what you're always getting is the criticism and the view from outside, from the sportscasters, the fans calling in. And what that does is it keeps the focus of the story on Billy Bean instead of winning the big game. Yeah. And how do yeah. all the players feel about it? Hmm. It's always about the criticism of how things are being run. And it's, but it's a very real feel, Hmm. you know, them breaking away and showing old video and stuff like that. That's grainy and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, And so what that made me think about too is, so that's a good director. Hmm. That's Bennett Miller making Mm -hmm. sure all that stuff's left in by the editor, giving the editor those directions, getting those shots. But um, you were talking about Aaron Sorkin and there are two different, scripts script writers shown and Aaron Sorkin made sure that the other guy's name was on there. Cause he said his script was so solid. Hmm. I came in and just kind of fixed it up for him. Uh, probably so, dialogue and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but Aaron Sorkin, I, he's got this quote that I really like because 
this goes along with the, how do you keep the focus on Billy Bean and mm. everything? Mm-hmm. And he says, the trick is to follow the rules of classic storytelling. Drama is basically about one thing. Somebody wants something and something or someone is standing in the way of him getting it. What he wants, the money, the girl, the ticket to Philadelphia doesn't really matter. But whatever it is, the audience has to want it for him. Hmm. And this movie does such a good job of keeping the focus on Billy Bean. And of course, that's what it's about. But it would be easy to let it slide into you know, the underdog team. And it is the underdog team. But we barely know the players. Yeah. Even when we're focused on them a little bit, they never come back to Scott Hatterberg. Other than him celebrating with the team on home plate, we never see him again, I don't mm. think. Or yeah. in passing, mm-hmm. David Justice, mm-hmm. we see his moment, that's it. We see him on the field maybe a little. Yeah. But you can hardly pick him out. Mm-hmm. So it's that and the moments of realism. You know, Because this is Billy Bean's life, and life is like that. And they do it in such a way that you're still interested in the story. And I just think that's what goes into also making it real and making it relatable. Mm -hmm. We all have dead spots in our lives. We Mm -hmm. all have those moments where we're unsure and don't know what's going on. And we have to stop and think. The movies make you feel like, oh, you should have the right answer. You should go right along. Well, that's not how real life works. You're not a loser if you don't do it. Right. Yeah. Excellent. I yeah, might those, be pulling are, that too far, but no, but know. that's fascinating. Yeah. Those are cool things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that actor business stuff. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. When you watch people, you'll see people who do it really effectively. He's, you know, a handy person in this movie. He's constantly like, you know, tilting back in his chair and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Do you know anything about uh, Bennett Miller? He has directed so few movies. Yeah, that's what I was just notice- noticing here. Um, I called this up, and you know, there's some video shorts, but as far as complete features, he's done Capote, mm-hmm. Moneyball, and Foxcatcher, and that's it. Yeah, he's done some video shorts. How interesting that is! All Wonder- of them intense movies too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never saw Foxcatcher or Capote. Mm-hmm. Um, An interesting thing kind of announced. It says on IMDb, a Christmas Carol. With a script by Tom Stoppard, um, directed by Bennett Miller. Coming up? Coming up, yeah. It says announced. That story never quits giving, does it? Yeah, no. It'd be interesting. I'm certainly going to have to watch it. (laughs) Well, I'll certainly read all the reviews and then maybe watch it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Being more cautious than you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think you watch way more movies than me. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we, it's like, but uh, yeah. So I laugh when you say cautious, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But I have a hundred years worth of movies to pull from and <laughs> many right. critical comments to yes, see. for sure. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I love it. So when yeah. I'm watching silent movies, which I'm starting to do more yes, and more, yes. mm-hmm. it's the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. it's easy for me you get the good ones yeah that's right right. you're willing to step out there and go it's a new movie i'm gonna go see it and i'm Mm -hmm. like read the reviews yeah i'll get the dvd or stream it or something and see but i'm not paying money yet right right yeah yeah it's interesting though that uh bennett miller is making so few it's like capote was 2005 moneyball 2011 foxcatcher 2014 
and here we are in 2021. Um, fascinating, you know. Yeah. Even there you know, some it, there's some like other that. things. He's got some producer credits, um, but there's only four of them, and then a cinematographer. But yeah, so he's just. Yep. Doesn't have a high output, but that's well, but he that's does okay. really good work. Yeah, of course. What he it's does okay. seems to be good and focused and yeah, everything. So. Absolutely. Anyway. Very nice. Well, okay. What what a great movie. Good choice. Um, but thank you. Yeah, that was fun. Next up for us is Murderbot. <laughs> Nothing about the real world is in here. Murderbot, yeah. So <laughs> Murderbot, um, if you're planning to read with us, uh the first four are I don't know. I don't even know if they're novella length, uh, but they're fairly short. Yeah, they're novella length, I would okay, say. Okay, novella length. So uh, we're going to talk about books one through four, and they're they're all novellas. None of them's a full-length novel. So. I hope your library can uh, supply them for you because you they're, they're priced as if they're a real book. <laughs> uh, I might yeah. have bought them after mm-hmm. I read them twice from the library because <laughs> I have to reread them. Because they're fantastic. Love it. Because love I it. love them. That's but fantastic. the first four novellas actually make a complete story arc. Oh, very Each good. one mm-hmm. kind of stands alone, but you have to read them in order mm-hmm. because they're building on what happens in the first one. And um, you could stop after the first one. That's perfectly fine or after any of them, but it's the fourth one that makes it a book really. Very good. Okay. So, that's why I picked the first four. Okay. So. Excellent. I'm very much looking forward to that. I have read the first one in the past, and I liked it very much. Okay. So, that's, yeah. This is a summer reading. Mm-hmm. Light. There's Love something it. there, but super mm-hmm. fun. Oh, my gosh. Cool. Like the best action movie you ever saw. <laughs> Great. From a Great. murder bot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much for talking about this movie and thanks everyone. Oops. So glad to have another chance to watch it. Oh, good. Good. And thanks everyone for listening. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we will catch you next time. Yeah. Talk to you in a couple of weeks, you everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>